gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Yes, 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 good people. We are back. Truth Prescription. Today I have the pleasure of talking to a legend, streetball legend, Corey Homicide Williams. What's going on, Corey? How you doing, my brother? Thanks for having me on. I am fantastic. How you doing? Excellent. Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I appreciate you making the time. I know you're you're extremely busy. You're, you're doing a lot. <laughs> I went over your uh, doing some research on you. I was like, man, this guy's been on the grind for a minute. <laughs> He's been grinding for a minute. You know the whole the whole key I found is yeah. find what you love to do and do it to death. Right. Don't feel like work. Right, right, right. That's that James Brown. Do it to death. Exactly. I'm just going to run down for the people who don't know, just quickly sort of uh, who you are and, um, you know, why you're so significant in, in our culture and particularly in, uh, in, in in basketball culture. So Corey Homicide Williams, actually born as Carrie Williams. Uh, he changed his name to Corey after they teased him in elementary school. Corey grew up in the Bronx, uh, Bronx, New York. Uh, the strict mother, his his father passed away when he was three, so his mom kept him on a straight and narrow. Ultimately went to uh, Powerhouse Rice High School, a, a basketball uh, mecca in New York City, and then ultimately uh, went to Alabama State Small School in, 90, in 1997, where he played, he averaged about 13 points a game. Came out of there, and, you know, he, you know, as he says, he was... You know, looking looking at his uh at, at his magazine, seeing people um who had become successful playing street ball, and um decided to try to take a shot. So he you know became uh, uh very active in the in the New York City uh you know street ball scene. Um, literally killed well, not literally, but figuratively killed a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of players that he had on his list, and got the name Homicide. Um, and that was, you know, probably around 2000, 2003, 2004. At some point, uh, he was seen by one of the coaches from the Toronto Raptors. I think that was around 2005 and he got a shot, uh, in the league. Now the shot didn't ultimately go to fruition. He wasn't picked up, uh, by the Toronto Raptors, but it actually led to more things. He was actually able to play in professional leagues, uh, across the, across the world, really, a lot. I mean, it's been a ton. I'm not even going to list them all. It's been a ton, and he's been very successful um, in that. And um, now he's sort of on a tip. Corey, you're you're 40 now, right? Yes, I did turn 40 in August. Wow. So he's uh, – oh, what's your birthday? August what? 3rd. August 3rd. So you're a Leo. So, you know, you you the natural natural uh, natural leader. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know the Leos well. You're talking to one. But uh, – so, you know, I know you said you were going to play ball until you were 40. Um, how's that How's that working out for you? You still playing or you what, what, what are you doing? Well, right now um, I got offered a job 
to commentate with Fox Sports in Australia, in Australia's professional basketball league, which is the NBL. Right. So that's what my full-time position right now is. And that's what you're doing. Um, I reached my goal. Great. Last season was my last season playing pro ball. Actually, I'm sorry. At 39 was my last season. My mother had cancer, has cancer. Oh, wow. And she, um, you know, she was in New York. My sister's in Texas. My brother was living at the time in Dubai. So I wasn't going anywhere, you know, obviously. So I just, I didn't play my season last year to make sure, you know, my mother was, was good, going well. Right. And so, you know, family first. I did that. And, you know, I got an opportunity. I used to play in Australia. Yeah. Uh, I was there for four years, 2007 to 2011. Yeah. That was a country that I was extremely successful in. Always had um, love for the people in Australia. Yeah. And they had love for me. So what happened outside of that was they reached out to me and wanted me to become a commentator and analyst for the league out here. Yeah, the NBL. Um, Yes, in the NBL. I signed a contract, and this is where I'm at present day right now. Um, seven weeks into the season. Wow, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I saw some. I saw a couple. Uh, you know, a couple of YouTube shots of you. Uh, you know, holding the microphone, looking very uh, dapper. So, <laughs> so uh, I know it's it's probably exciting now to be on the other side of it. It's extremely exciting because here's the thing: the whole message that I'm giving to the world, yeah, is that. You do not have to be an NBA star to call yourself a successful pro ball player. Right. It is extremely important. People know that. Right. You know, because I'm a, I'm a you know, this is going to be an open, honest, and intimate conversation we're going to have. Yes. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, there's nothing I've never done with this game outside of having a seven-figure bank account. There's players in the NBA who nobody knows. Yeah. The world knows who I am. Yeah, it's true. Because of what I was able to do with this game. Yeah. All right. So what would you rather be? What would you, who would you rather be at a player who's the 15th man on the bench for 10 years hmm. or a player who's lived out his dreams yeah. seen the world and being, being paid to do what he loves to do as well as playing the game. And also, and also have four shoe deals. How many, how many NBA players have four shoe deals? <laughs> Listen, we got shoe deals, we got magazine deals, and we're not talking about shoe deals where I got paid for it. Yeah. I didn't get, you know, we're going to give you a bunch of product for you to wear our stuff. Right. I signed these contracts. I've had a signature shoe deal with K1X. They gave me my signature shoe. My shoe was in Foot Locker International. Yep. Billboards all across the world. Yep. Russia, all that. All of that. <laughs> you know, that was a blessing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is real conversation. This yeah. all came from streetball. Yeah. I people gotta know, like, you don't have to be the man in college or all American for this shit to work. Right. It's all on the type of work you put in, how dedicated you are to this. Right. It's extremely difficult the route I had to go. However, I was willing to do whatever it took. There was no plan B. This is going to work. Right. Period. You know, it's funny, something just came to me. I, I wanna jump into the, the first section of the program, but uh your your Mohawk came to me and you know, just that sort of that fighter's mentality that, 
you know that 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 rebel you know was was the mohawk part of the the reason because you you played with a mohawk so was that part of just your your approach to the game and your approach to life just i'm just gonna go hard and i'm just gonna be a warrior i didn't think of it like that okay you said it but i was just like look you know the mohawk came back into style you know the first brother i saw that pulled it off was ao from n1 oh yeah right yeah which is my man shout out to ao but i said this is a cool hairstyle. I wonder if I can pull it off. Mm. So I started first with it, with it, with a fade, like a, they called it a frohawk. Like you fade, it was a fade and it was really low. Okay. So it didn't just stick out completely. And I was like, okay, my head shape is good enough to rock it. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not, yeah, that's more important. You know, some people I oh, have yeah. balls looking great. <laughs> LL, right. So I was just like, all right, cool. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm a, Everybody started getting the faded mohawk. So I said, nah, I'm going to just go skin like Mr. T and just <laughs> clean off the sides and just rock the straight mohawk. Yeah. Then I used to throw, then I used to throw designs into it. Okay. So that became like the, the my signature cut. That was yeah. the signature cut, my yeah. hairstyle. That's how people knew you. Yeah. That's how people knew me. I used to be overseas playing and people didn't know Corey Williams. They knew Homicide. I mm. swear to you. Yeah. I would cut it off. I would cut it off. Fans used to walk by me, didn't even know it was me. Wow. I was known from deep with them all, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. That's that That's that branding. I mean, you talked about one of your interviews about the uh, when you were in the D-League and you had they had that talk about personal branding. I thought that was really important. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, So, yeah, man, uh, you know, the, the premise of the show for, for the new listeners, and I know you know this, is that you know all successful people of which you are um, have had to deal with uh, certain issues and, and certain truths, and it was sort of uh, accepting those truths that allowed them to break through and you know become ultimately successful. So, um, if you can dig into your uh, your bank of of stories, your, your bank of memory, and give us a little a little nugget of maybe a personal story. Um, of something in your in your time in your life that you had to sort of uh, accept in order to to break past a certain barrier and get through. I got a couple. I mean, you don't end; it still go. So, <laughs> you know, my true. life story. I'll start with it with a couple. Okay. You know, and start, you know, my family's Jamaican. Yeah. You know, we are one hundred percent from Jamaica. Yeah. So I started playing ball at 12, 13. Who does that in New York? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. New York is basketball capital of the world, the Mecca. Yeah, people playing ball at four or five. Exactly. You know, so wanting to play this game, I was a project. I had to accept the fact like I really wasn't good. Yeah. And, you know, in New York, people, it's just the reality of it anywhere, but it's definitely New York with ball. Hmm. Like, no one wants to help somebody who's going to develop four years from now. They want to play it now. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's true. I didn't go to Rice because I was nice and ball. I went to Rice because of disciplinarian reasons. Yeah, your mom wanted you to have the uniform and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's get a kid some structure. Yeah. You know, the concrete junk was no joke for a kid that's not that has no structure or discipline. Yeah. It just so happened that I went to Rice High School. So I just told myself from the beginning, I know I might not get that much burn. You know, I gotta work hard. Yeah. You know, there was coaches who really didn't push for me like that. I had to use that as motivation. Mm. The I'll show you. I'll show you. You know, that was, that was one truth. Yeah. And, you know, the other truth is, you know, you, you finally get to college. You know, I went to junior college first. Right. 
Went hard, graduated. I was a late bloomer. Ended up going to a HBCU. I picked the HBCU. I had two real options. Okay. All right. I had my first option. Who the coach came to every game. Bob Chipman, Division Two, All American, big time school, won championships. But you know, I was I was caught up in Division One, Division Two. That's when back in the day, you, there was no real YouTube where you can get discovered if you have talent. Anyway, you know, it's people just going off of what they know. Yeah. So I, I had that school where I would have had the green light. It was between those two universities where I was going to make my decision. Right. So I ended up, you know, Bob Chipman was telling me, listen, don't get caught up in Division One, Division Two. Mm. You know, he's a connected coach. Yeah. Bobby Knight was, he was Bobby Knight's assistant for the Olympic team with Jordan. Wow. Okay. And Isaiah and all of them. Right. So, I mean, you know, this is before you know the real politics of who you know. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. So from there, you know, I wanted to go to an HBCU because, you know, at that point, I wasn't developed fully as the person that I am today, knowing how to move in situations where, you know, that Rochester University is predominantly, you know, Caucasian University, a white school. Right. So, you know, me growing up watching Cosby show in a different world, I'm like, yo, this HBCU is going to be like Hillman. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, they said, even the coach is like, I'm going to let you live too. You do your thing for two yeah. years. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, bet, I'm going to Hillman to rock out. Right. Who doesn't want to go to HBCU? Hey, listen, I went to Morgan State, so feel you <laughs> there you go there you go right so that's how i made my decision okay now had i known the business part of it i would have changed my decision yeah you probably would have got more run at the other place yeah and it gives you a better position stats wise right you know you got a coach that's gonna push for you you know all of these things come into play when you're making a decision but if you don't have anyone who you personally know that's gone through these things. Yeah. You're making this decision on your own or with your mother. Like, yeah. What do, what do you know about <laughs> basketball on the next level? What does your mother know yeah. about hoop on the next level? So ultimately, all my mother wanted is for me to graduate and, and hoop. She don't know the politics of it. Right. So, you know, I ended up going to Alabama State. Didn't work out like I wanted it to. But mm. I wasn't the Corey Williams from Rice High School. Right. I developed. My game developed, my body developed, my hunger was on a whole nother level because I still was on, I'll show you. Right. I'm still on that. It's just a different coach, different institution. But the, 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 the message was still the same in my head. The hunger and the desire was even more. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I knew that I literally had to be all in. All in. Which leads me to the next part. I hit street ball. I destroyed everybody. I couldn't kill everybody in one year. You can't get to Mayweather your first year fighting boxing. Right. Okay. So it took a few years. But you, you had, but you had a list. I, I remember, I remember reading that you had a list 100%. of all the top street ballers, and you were like, you know, just checking them off. <laughs> you gotta die. Now, this, is, this is serious because this is serious business. This is serious business. Yeah. My life is on the line. Reputations take years to build. And seconds to lose. Yeah. Nobody remembers you when you. Nobody knows what you do when you in college, unless you are all American on TV every night. Right. I'm not. So they remember me at Rice High School. I'm the Corey from Rice. Right. 
they're laughing at you. They're thinking you ain't shit. You in your head is like, okay, I'm going to make sure you can't look me in my eye mm. again. Yeah. Every time you touch the court, your life depends on it. My life. Because I'm not the All-American. I don't have a big name. Yeah. I don't have a big agent. Yeah. The way I approach street ball is how All-Americans approach NCAA. Duke against North Carolina. That's my street ball mentality every game. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us tell a story about Alamo. How you feel like you, you, you ended Alamo's career. Alamo was a a Harlem street ball legend, and um, Corey pretty much ended his his career his career on the court. But go ahead, tell a story. I mean, basically, you know, God bless the dead. Ali Moe was an icon for Harlem street ball, God street ball. He was everything. Yeah, he was one of those players that was extremely talented, and he loved street ball more than he cared about organized ball. Yeah, meaning college, you know, institutional basketball, you know. Look, street ball is our safe haven. Yeah. Okay? That's our heaven. That's where you can do whatever you want to do. Like, get a man on those courts if you're good enough. Yeah. You're not coming out the game. There is no structure. Right. It's minimal structure, but you still have the freedom to do whatever you want if you have a big name. Yeah, exactly. He was untouchable because he was about 6'9", with handle damn near like Kyrie. Dur- like Durant. <laughs> Right. It's pretty much like Durant before Durant, minus he had a solid jump shot, but it wasn't like a Durant jump shot. Okay. But just picture Durant's ball handling ability. Right. At his side. Right. Yeah. No, I've seen him. I've seen video. I mean, everybody was scared of him, and rightfully so. He was killing everybody. So one day I was at Dykeman Park, mm-hmm. me and Bone Collector. We had just finished working out. So we was just hanging out at Dykeman, opening day at Rucker Park. This when NBA TV was still uh, covering. Rucker Park. Okay. So he came to me and said, yo, you know, I'm about to bust your ass. Oh. I'm like, what? He said, yo, he's like, yo, Corey, listen, man. Corey, listen. Hmm. You know what time it is. You know you can't fuck with me. Mm. I'm like, what? Mm. I said, you serious? I mean, in front of everybody. I've never been embarrassed like this in basketball, ever. He verbally disrespected shit out of him. Yeah, he called you out. In a disrespectful manner and in a joking manner like I was Corey. Like, Corey, like Corey I know you. Yeah. You... I remember you at Rice. Mm. That type of shit. Mm. And I was just like, wow. I'm like, yo, but you can't play no defense. He was like, yo, my offense is my defense. I'll see you next week. Mm. I was like, alright. <laughs> I just walked off after that. Right? Right. Exactly. That's what dudes was doing. Right. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. So I had a plan. Mm. And my plan was kill him. Yeah, destroy him. Yeah. I, I, you can't give me five days to prepare mm. to murder you. Mm. <laughs> give me five days. That's the game was five days later. I was, I was in the, I was in the playgrounds when it was raining. Mm. I'm fantasized about him. I had a picture. It just kept looking at me. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. I'm serious. <laughs> this is serious talk. I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. He had to die. That's, he had to die. That's crazy. Because right now, my reputation's on the line. I'm trying to build a career. Yeah. Everything, reputations take years to build and seconds, seconds to lose. Seconds to lose. Yeah, you My rep is on the line. I have nothing else. There is no plan B. Yeah. He had to die. <laughs> I finished that game. 
with 47. Ooh. On him. He finished that game with 12. Wow. Yeah. It was him, J.R. Smith, Dante Jones, Big Streak, God bless the dead, Kenny Satterfield, three NBA bona fide legitimate guards, Big Streak, ex-NBA, and Ali Moe. That was their five. Mm. 47. <laughs> On NBA TV. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and basically, after that, yeah, he was done. He was done. It was over for him. That was it. <laughs> Open, opening day at Rucker Park. That was it. Crazy, bro. You know, that that was one thing. You know, there was just, just certain battles that you can't lose or else it's over for you. Just like that. Yeah. That was that was it. Things like that. You know, yeah. there's so many people out here like this. I ain't talking about the LeBrons. I ain't talking about the Westbrooks, the Mel. I'm not talking about KD, Steph Curry, Kyrie. That's the 1%. Mm. I'm about the 99%. The guys that don't get no burn. Mm. The guys that love this game and do anything for it, but don't have the opportunity. But never have the platform to do it. Right. Who the f*** does he look at to say, yo, he can do it, I can do it. Diggy. This shit ain't for the 1%. Yeah. That's the truth. That's the reality. You know what you got to do for this? You know what I've lost for this game? Oh, I'm sure. Do you understand? Oh, I'm sure. Like, look, at the end of the day, I said, no plan B. I'm overseas, you know. I was married with my daughter, divorced. Yeah. I'm always away. Yeah. That's another truth. Yeah. Always away. Yeah. But guess what? This I did this before I met you. Yeah. There's certain sacrifices. There's certain sacrifices that got to be done. There's certain shit you're going to have to live with regrets. Yeah. If you want, in order to be successful, some shit is family, some shit is jobs. That's the reality of the real world life. Anybody tell you different is a liar, or already somebody else got the money. But if you're trying to build some shit, <laughs> you're gonna lose a lot of stuff, and that's real talk. Yeah, yeah, no, straight up, straight up. A decision had to be made. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Do you fucking quit? Yeah. Go home, get a regular job. The fuck is a regular job. That's what I do. Right. I hope right. you pay to do it. Yeah. Finally. I didn't get the degrees to use them. I got the degrees for my mother. Right. I know what the fuck I was going to do. Right. Those degrees are not for me. Criminal justice. You're going to become a lawyer. You're going to law school? <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> them degrees ain't for me. Yeah. I knew what I was going to do. But there's certain things that had to be done. There's certain steps that had to be taken. Yeah. My mother worked her ass off. That's her happiness right there. That ain't for me. Yeah. I knew what I was what I was gonna do. Lonely nights, sad nights, blood, sweat, and tears for this game. Yeah. You put the work in, the shit gonna happen. Yeah. Cheat the game, it ain't gonna happen. It's yeah. that simple. Yeah. Anything in life is that simple. And if you think you're better than that, you're gonna see. It's gonna be a rude awakening for you. Anybody out there. Yeah. Treat the game right. Or the great the game ain't gonna treat you right. Right, and the game the game is not just the game of basketball. It's the game of life. The game of <laughs> right. life. Right. The game of life. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You know, that, that's yeah. what it is. That's the truth prescription right there. Yeah. Listen, man, we are all brands, all right? We are all brands. Yeah. I don't care if you're a bum in the street. You are a brand. <laughs> At the end of the day, when you wake up, you will determine whether you strengthen or weaken your brand that day. Yeah. Yeah. All the stuff you post on social media, right. all of this stuff. People don't know you, they're going to check you on social media. No, it's real. The younger you know these things, the better the better you will be. 
the better position you will put yourself in, whether you know it now or not. Dude, you you're dropping like like ten, twelve jewels. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I do this every day, all day. I didn't even get the. <laughs> I can't even. Uh, I can't. <laughs> you're just dropping them, bro. You're just dropping them, but but that's what I do. Yeah, but two but two of them that you said I think is important is you know the whole idea of you know you got you got to put the work in. If you don't put the work in, don't expect any results. And 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 then the other one was. You have an opportunity every single day to improve or f- or f up your own life. It's up to you. You know, no, it's the, ain't up to nobody else. It's up to you. You gotta take personal responsibility. I think that's real critical, uh, Corey. Straight up. Just you know, you just you gotta weather the storm. There's gonna be a lot of positivity. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. There's gonna be a whole lot of negative days. It's always rainy days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Straight up. You gotta put yourself in the best position you can. In order to win, right? Obviously, doing things the right way, right? Right. No, you know, look at me now. I just turned forty. I am now a pro commentator for a professional league on Fox Sports in Australia. Yeah, you couldn't have wrote this. I couldn't have wrote it. Nah. I am the lead Ed commentator. What is my degree in? <laughs> Criminal justice. <laughs> Do I have any experience in that? No, no, no. Yeah, but you're a talk. You have, but you, but you know basketball, and you're a talker, so it works. Do I have a broadcasting degree? No, no. There you go. What? Preach to him, Corey. Preach to him. All I've done. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You never know what you're gonna be. You don't know what lane you're gonna be in. Yeah. Don't burn no bridges. Or, everybody, forget, forget basketball. Yeah. You going to, you going to work. Be the best teammate you can be. Mm. I be the best worker you can be. Yeah. Put in the work. Find something you love to do and do it to death. That's it. Anything else, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Do it to That's death. That's why it's important to get to these people when they're young. Yeah. Because if you give them a vision to follow, decision making will be different. Yes. Yes. And you're I- not going to be chasing tail when you're 15, 16. Right. Knocking a girl up. Yeah. Life over. Life's done. Finish. Life ain't over. Finish. Life, life just went to 10 times harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're a kid. What do you know? You are a kid. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. All you know is your neighborhood. You go, go travel. Go see the world. Yeah. Stop wasting money on stupid-ass Jordans that cost $15 in China. Mm. $15. Go to China, and then you'll see the real world. Mm. Everything we wear... Is made in China, right? But y'all think you're doing something when you buying shirts and thousand dollar t shirts, thousand yeah. dollar jeans. Yeah. They cost fifteen dollars to make. <laughs> Everything you wear is made in China. Ninety percent of the things you gonna wear, if you not watch like buying organic material, yeah. Outside of that, everything, everything you wear, ninety percent of that shit made in China. Made in China. Look at the, look at it. Yeah. Don't waste your money, man. I like I like Make better I, decisions. Hold yourself accountable. I like the story that you told about your mom when you were saying that, you know, because she was so strict that it helped you at you know, even as a young man to make better decisions. So when Cats was like, Hey, we're gonna cut school, middle school, you're like, Nah, I think my mom's watching me. <laughs> I think I'll go to school. You know, that decision making is so important. Listen, accountability breeds responsibility. Mm. Yeah. When you are held accountable for your actions, 
you make better decisions. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, straight up. No, it's true. It's true. It is true. All right, you know, and, and here I am. Here I am today. My daughter will be here for Christmas and New Year's. Beautiful. Celebrating Christmas and New Year's with me. My mom and I are, are in a great situation right now. We co-parent the best. That's great. You know, and that's what it's about. Yeah. Sometimes in life, sometimes certain things don't work out. Everything ain't forever. Yeah. All right? But you got to work through it. Yeah. To make it the best situation you can possibly make it. Ain't no sense sitting around moping because that, that, that don't help nobody. What? What is that doing? You're wasting time. <laughs> right. You're wasting time. Time is of the essence. Yeah. What do you, when you die, I'm, 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 I'm busy all the time. You know why? I got a daughter. She got to know. This is what a man does. This is how a man moves. I see my dad. Ain't no young, young, dumbass kid in the street telling any, any foolishness. Yeah. Nah. Oh, I could take you to these restaurants, blah, blah, blah. We don't chase money. My dad got me. Right. Oh, look at my nice car. We don't have that. My dad got one of those, and I got one for my birthday coming up. Right. My mother's good. Right. My mother got a great job. She got degrees. We're going to put her in a position to where she knows better and give her her best opportunity to do great in this world. Right. What's your legacy going to be when you die? I know what mine's going to be. Mm. Yeah, one life to live, Legacy brother. chasing is what I'm on. Yeah. I'm legacy chasing. One life to live, brother. That's it. Yeah. All right, man. We we gonna we gonna you you dropping too many jewels, man. I mean, I I'm, I feel like a, a a Jewish jeweler in Diamond District. I'm just catching them, trying to catch them. Well, <laughs> um, and all, all we gotta do, all you gotta do is just give it back to the world. Hey, that's it. That's why we doing this true prescription, brother. That's it. To try to try to give people something 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 to eat, you know, something some good things for the soul, so they can go forth and and be and you know be great. We gonna we gonna jump into this next section. Uh, it's called yes or BS. So basically, I'm gonna say a statement, and then you just gonna say yes or BS, and then you can expound on why, or we can just move to the next one. It's up to you. All right. Yes, sir. I'm with you. All right. Well, here we go. Yep. First one. A gentleman is just a patient wolf. Yes. <laughs> Talk about the clothing line. Well, you know, I just created. You know, my whole goal, as you can see, listening to me, is about motivating impacting and inspiring mm. that's what we're about right and empowerment that's all we're about right and i said that a wolf through his actions what a wolf is an ambitious individual going hard until their dreams come to fruition there's so many people you know working hard working hard working hard did you make it happen mm. a wolf makes it happen there you go there you go number two Durant has a better Hezo than Kyrie. Now, for my listeners that don't know, you should know, but if you don't know, a Hezo is just a hesitation crossover. So Durant has a better Hezo than Kyrie. Well, you know, for me, um, this is tough because it looks better because of the guys that are guarding him are not usually <laughs> able to defend that. You know what I mean? Like, yo, centers, centers and power forwards ain't, ain't, ain't guarding no a seven-foot Kyrie, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I believe that Kyrie's hesitation is better and That's deadlier funny. because yeah. he's guarding people that are usually guarding people with hesitation. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? That's like, a great point. Kyrie's an animal, but, I mean, Durant, they both, they're both one of one. 
Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I never thought about that. Number three, motivational speaking is similar to playing point guard. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Hell no. All right. Motivational speaking is a whole nother beast. Okay. No, a whole nother beast. Okay. I know you're getting into it now. Yeah, I, I love it. I think that's one of my other passions. Okay. Um, You know, I had an opportunity the first time. Well, I always speak and try to motivate people, but the first time on the big platform that I had was when I spoke to Under Armour Corporate. Mm. I spoke to their sneaker design team. Okay, cool. I spoke to Under Armour Basketball's sneaker design team. Wow. So if you if you, if whoever's listening can get with it, get the underdog story. That's difficult. Yeah. Where you didn't get drafted, where you weren't even all city. Yeah. Where you weren't all nothing. That's hard. <laughs> right, right. The reason that, you know, your story is so relatable to whether you're from Harlem or from Montana is, you know, we're all humans, I think. And that's 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 the... The, the the thing that we all have in common you know we all we all have pain we all love we all you know we all go through through things and we all bleed so it's kind of like at the end of the day hopefully people can sort of wade through how you look what your skin tone is and just really get into who you are as a person and, and connect connect like that and i think that's probably what happened with with those with those guys from uh, under armor you know right yeah right. all right number three Street ball in NYC is dead. True. Yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah, it's true. Street ball is dead in New York City. It's extremely unfortunate because I don't think guys guys don't play the game and love the game like that. Like, you know, yeah. now they follow. Like, back in the day, you know, I never wanted to play with a team who had a crew. Mm. I wanted to bust your ass. Yeah. Now... Everybody wants to play on the same team. So where's the competition? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why, what, let's match up. Oh, you the best power forward? Okay, I'm the best. Yeah. Let's play. Yeah. I'm going to hunt you down in every tournament. It's not like that no more. Then on top of it, you know, a lot of things, a lot of you know, illegal things were pushing the streetball culture as well. Okay. So you had drug dealers out there making a lot of money, mm. and they would pay players. Oh, wow. You know? Okay. So now, you know, yeah, like I, I used to live in Denver, man. Like they used to fly me, pay for my flight to come in and play a game and pay me. Wow. Round trip ticket. That's they crazy. buying it the day of. Wow. Flying. <laughs> I'll say, look, hey, they buying it the day of or the day before. You know, you're here. The mm. flight's good. Also, I'm like, nah, let, give me, let me stay up there for three days so I can play in other tournaments and get money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, like so. You know, like now, you know that that side of the game is dead as well. So, you know, everybody just jump into that one one guy who has the money, you know, and just they forming super teams. So they buy championships, which is cool. But yeah, I'm like, it just takes away from the game. Yeah, the grind, the griminess, the grittiness of it, oh. the hustle. Yeah. Yeah, it takes away from it. You know, so they they you know was dead with all that shit. Was unfortunate. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, well. You you had your heyday, so now you're doing other things. All right, number 4. Australia is an easier city to make your name than New York. 
Not true at all. I said easiest city, which is which is ridiculous. It's a country, <laughs> so I meant to say I meant to say Melbourne. Mel, I meant to say Melbourne is an easiest city. Not at all to make your name New York. Hell no, <laughs> bullshit. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Tell me. One, the street ball culture is the street ball culture isn't huge here. Okay. Two, street ball isn't the number one sport here. Rugby is, cricket is, and AFL and NRL. Rugby is. That's the two different type of rugby's mm. cricket is basketball is borderline fourth mm. next to soccer okay so okay. you know obviously it's easier in new york if you kill it because it's the basketball capital of the world right okay there's no nba players here so one day you go go play pickup ball and an nba players there and then you your name go bigger mm. like it's not that there's not street ball courts on every corner right hell no well, you know, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily meaning street ball. I just meant for somebody like, you know, because, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've traveled, you know, when you travel, it's like, you know, when you're an African-American or, you know, you're you're from the States, people look at you a little bit. You get a little bit more celebrity. That that was that's always been my experience. You can get a little bit more celebrity, but it's not based off of your celebrity in that country. You had to have come with some other celebrity that put you in a situation to build something here. For example, I came to this country when I played here. You know, I had just got finished summer league. I had got cut from the league the year before and then did the D League on the championship. All right? And I was already known with my streetball credibility because of, you know, streetball, everybody watches it in, in New York. Yeah. So everybody knew. They didn't know Corey Williams was coming. They didn't give a fuck about him. Yeah. They knew Homicide was coming. Mm, yeah. So I in this professional league, I hit the ground running. Like, I, I came through and, and killed this league. I got MVP of the league in my third year. Yeah. So, it had nothing to do with streetball. It was mm. just based off the fact that I came in the league killing. Yeah. But my streetball persona helped build the celebrity even more. Yeah. It just added to the celebrity. Okay. But there's a lot of players that cannot there's a lot of streetball players that can't play organized ball. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. No, I'm sure. Because they're two, two completely different beasts. Two different beasts. Yeah. Okay. Two completely different beasts. Many, many, many ball players that play streetball, you know, got cut and sent home. <laughs> and they had big streetball reps. Yeah. But a professional league is different. It's organized. You got to know the difference. And when I play pro, I play point guard. Yeah. So all that 30, 40 points on dudes, no, you better get some assists with that and win the game. Yeah. <laughs> right. Number five. We got we got eight, so we're almost there. Number five. A father is not needed for a child to become successful. Well, I'm not gonna say bullshit and I'm not gonna say yes. I go in between. Okay. I'm gonna tell you why. All right. I chose this question for you. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I, with my position, thank God, you know, you you never want to break up. and You never want your family to break up. Right. I had a child, and I knew who I was, whoever I had a child with, I was planning on marrying and being with. Right. You know, so I had one child, and, you know, Bella was small. Bella was a baby when her and her mom, her mom and I split. Yeah. And she was always used to be being gone anyway. Right. You know, I would only come home summers. And then I'm going again because, you know, I play. She would come visit. They would come visit, you know, places where I was at. So it was nothing new to her. 
it was it was a transition because I knew then I wasn't going back to her. Yeah. She would have to come visit me in New York. You know, I used to live in Denver. You know, she would have to come visit me in New York. But the thing was, you have to keep the connection. Yeah. If you plan on being in your daughter's life, you know what I mean? As I do. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's just, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. You are not there. At times, you wish you could be there. You know, you miss school, you miss games, miss these things. Yeah. You know, and I miss them all the time, you know, but we constantly are in communication. Right. You know, this family, this parents, this kids with both parents at home and ain't, and ain't an amount of shit. That's just the reality. Correct. Correct. You know, this parents at home with their kids struggling. Yeah. So all we can do is make the best of our situation. And that's what we've done. Has it been easy all the time? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. But, you know, it's my child. I'm her dad. Yeah. So we have to continue to push and make this thing work. There's no yeah. way it's not going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we know that. We both are always on the same page. We text, we talk all the time. Yeah. You know, her, her mom, and I, we have a chat group as well. You know, she knows she can talk to me about anything. Her mother, God, God bless her mother. You know, um, super awesome woman. And, you know, she's doing no different than I'm doing. Going hard. Leaving her legacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, it always helps when, regardless if both parents aren't together, they both on the same page for their child. And we have that. And I have that. The reason I asked the question, it wasn't so much about your daughter per se, but it it was really about, you know, your own father passed when you were three. You know, you become successful. There's a lot of other stories you hear about. Even LeBron James, you know, his father wasn't in his life. You hear all these stories about men, about successful men whose fathers weren't in their lives and whose mothers basically raised them. And so, you know, it sort of begs the bigger, bigger question: like, you know, our father, are, you know, is is a father in the house really even necessary? Now, I mean, I'm I, I, hell yeah, a father in the house is necessary. There you go. All right. <laughs> okay. You know, of course, but you gotta understand these people are put in certain situations because of certain circumstances where there's no choice. Right. So the mom gotta put on both hats. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That cycle, you know, has to change. Yeah. You know, to where there's more men in the homes. Yeah. You know, but that also I believe that also comes with once there's men in the homes, more men in the homes, better decisions are made as the child. Yes. You know? Because, you know, you, you go to a club, you're young, you meet a girl, you like her for the minute, the Hennessy was good, <laughs> ended up having sex with her. Sex is good, you, you don't use no condoms, she gets pregnant, there's a child, you don't even know her. Yeah. She doesn't even know you. Yeah. You, have, you don't like each other, you just like the sex that y'all having. Right. And how you kicking it. Right. You haven't seen enough to know what you actually like. Right. So how is that, that's boom, a fair relationship. Yep, straight up. Straight up. Straight up. All right. So if we have better, we have parents in the home helping productive parents in the home, productive fathers in the home, that will help the child make better decisions. Hopefully, Put yeah. percentage-wise, at least. Right. Right. That's that's the thought, and I, and I kind of tend to agree with that. I also think that when the father's not in the house, you're right. The woman has to put on two hats, and then the the children you know, they can either sink or swim. You know, they can either, 
you know, step it up and yeah. grind it out and become successful, no. or they could not. <laughs> they could just fall into, you know, fall into, uh, yeah. become a statistic. So, um, right. All right, cool. Uh, number six. Corey Homicide Williams Williams would still be in the NBA if Toronto if Toronto didn't cut him. Corey Homicide Williams, I, right now forty, no way. <laughs> what I would be is what? No, 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 no. With the NBA, you know, as a guard to be in the league at forty, no way. <laughs> but I was what I would have done was I would have had I would have had a successful career and then turned into broadcasting. Okay. Okay. I would have never went the I would have never went the coach route. Right. Right. Number seven. You'll like this one. Two passports are better than one. One hundred percent. Cause I know you I know you carry a Jamaican passport and an American passport. So Yeah, you know. Um uh, especially what's going on in the country now. You better have two passports. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> Um, and the last one, you need a stylist in order to be fly. Not at all. Bullshit. <laughs> you don't have a stylist? I don't have a stylist. What I, I did was, like the other day, right? I never had a stylist in my life. The other day, I ended up going to the Melbourne Cup, mm-hmm. which is basically the Kentucky Derby. This is the biggest event in Australia. At the last minute, I got dressed. A tailor, a designer gave me a suit okay. to wear. It was green with a yellow tie. It was nice. Seeing everybody else, how they looked, I was like, man of the fucking day. <laughs> Best dress. That was the first big event yeah. that I went to, horse racing. Okay. You know? So now I got the gist of, okay, this is how you really do it. Right. Right. I saw the picture. I was like, this guy must have a stylist. <laughs> Killed That's him. my first time. <laughs> I walk into the, there's a VIP area called the Bird Cave. That's what, that's what it's called. That's where you want to be at. In, in Melbourne Cup. That's the super VIP. Okay. I get in there. There's a lady that chased me down. She said, look, I saw you walk in, <laughs> and I literally ran down to take photos of you. I said, thank you, no problem. Right. I said, what publication are you from? Right. I said, what publication are you from? He said, GQ Australia. I mm. said, this is an epiphany that's come to fruition. <laughs> Let's do it. I've been looking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you, you was, you was, you was sharp. I was like, this looked like somebody put this together for this brother. This is no too way. sharp. No way. No <laughs> way. And I also wanted to ask you about your shade game, dude. You own. So, just a quick side note. I'm, I'm good friends with Questlove, and he's got like, you know, probably ninety pairs of shades at his house. And you, you, dude, every picture I see you and you in a different pair of shades. I mean, how many shades do you own? Now basically, I don't know, maybe about like 15, 17. Not really that much. But to be honest with you, I've owned a million pairs of shades. Yeah. But usually when I hang out and party a lot, you know, they either break. Uh, okay. Or someone, I, I, I let them borrow it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But, okay. So I really, oh, if I had all of the shades, man, I'd have easy over about 200 pairs. Jeez. Yeah, I mean. I just think that... <laughs> gotta match your fly it's a it's a wave that i'm on yeah you know and it gotta match your fly yeah you know? and i want people to never be afraid to express themselves while look good while doing so just make sure it's not a tacky look yeah you know yeah classic yeah classic yeah man all right 
Well, this I, I think I think that's a great a great place for us to end. I feel like we got so much more to talk about, but that's why I asked you when we started when you coming to New York so we can do this in studio, right? And ma- and make it and make it official. Right. Um, but I, I definitely appreciate the time, man. Um, tell the people where they can where they can reach you, where they can find you on uh, social media. You can find me at thepatientwolf.nyc on Instagram. Okay. I got okay. Twitter, but don't worry about that. The gram is where it's at. Okay. The patient wolf at the patient wolf dot NYC. Okay, on Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. On Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. On the gram. Okay. All right. All right, brother. Well, this has been uh fantastic. I appreciate your insights. Like I say, you dropping jewels. I feel like a jeweler. She's <laughs> dropping jewels everywhere. <laughs> and uh you know, we will uh, we, we will continue this when you uh, when you get to NYC in the spring, and uh, I'm gonna sign off as I always say: the truth will set you free. You messed it up, brother. If if you let it. All right.